Ronananian. You've got to you've got to face up to it. You gotta fix the car in front of you. And you can't get aggravated about it. After six hours of school, I had enough for the day. I hit the I bought a 2001 Cabrio. Um, I looked up on the Kelly Blue Book value. It's a 3700 if it's working right. Right. Um, What'd you pay for this? Uh, 450 bucks. Okay, so you got what you paid for. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Galveston, oh Galveston. By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. And the Wichita lineman is still on the line. Southern nights, have you ever felt a southern night? Like a rhinestone cowboy, getting cards and letters from people I don't even know. And offers coming over. Hello, start your engines. I'm Ron Anini in the car doctor. The phone number is 855. Oh, we you stop with the happy birthday already? Jeez, who told you guys? Um, Facebook. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's right. You know, I I, I didn't want to mention it to anybody. Yeah. Listen, you ought to be glad that God is, is allowing you to see another birthday, so embrace it. You know, I thought about it from that perspective, but I thought it also said that God realizes that there's too many broken cars down here, and he's got to keep me around for a little while yet. Now, isn't this the 30th anniversary of your 30th birthday, give or take? This is actually the 31st anniversary of my ah, 30th birthday. Okay, I'm, re- I'm really, I'm like ancient today. Um, but as I like to say, and as I tried to point out to a young man on Facebook this morning, I've forgotten more than you know. So, like, uh, you know, dude, back up the truck a little bit. That's a whole other story. Um, Ron and Andy the car doctor. I'm sorry. Let me get back on cue here. The phone number is 855-560-9900, around the clock. Because if you call 855-560-9900, Motorhead Matt will call you back and put you in the queue for the next live broadcast. We are live on the radio network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And we go out on the affiliates. Uh, you know, a couple of affiliates take us live. Some of the affiliates take us on delay. And, uh, of course, there's podcasting available, cardoctorshow.com, um, as always. Some changes coming to podcasting. Don't want to talk too much about it, but just make sure you pay attention to cardoctorshow.com in the coming weeks for those changes as uh, we continue to try and bring you a better product and more informative about your automobile and what's going on. Um, to that point, a couple of posts up on Facebook this week. Some of them were fun. Um, I took blackout this week. Uh, Black 2, I came in on uh, Wednesday morning and said, get me out from under the cover. And I said, okay. So I I pulled it out and uh, started up, and I let it run for a little bit. And we went out for a cruise Wednesday night and kind of annoyed everybody and um, found out that at about 5,700 RPM, second gear, hard pull, it's starting to break up. And I have a sort of suspicion that the rev limiter, which is supposed to be set much, much higher, 
is acting up and creating an issue. So I've got to get deeper into the confines of an MSD distributor coming up this week. So we'll look forward to that. And um, another post up there on Facebook is really the one I want to talk about to you. Had a 2005 Chrysler 300 came into the shop, and I mean months ago. It was like, you know, just get to it when you can. And we've been very busy. It's been a very busy first half of the year. And the last two months, I've finally been able to put my focus on it and, and get into it because the car has just got a, a pile of problems, and I think I might have commented on some of them in previous shows and in, in what's going on with this car. And the first is that it won't shift out of first gear. It's it, it has ABS warning lights on. It has multiple codes in different areas, the predominant of which and the most of which is the ABS uh, problems. It's reporting problems with the left rear sensor, the right rear ABS sensor, and it's reporting a, what appears to be a generic 500 series code for the ABS controller and speed signal. Sometimes knowing too much hurts you because... I knew too much. The customer informed me that the car had sat for two and a half, almost three years. Well, they think it only sat for six months, but when I look at some of the indicators and the amount of rust and the way the rotors rusted up and just general overall status of the car, I went, nah, this is like a two-year sit. This car sat a long time. And knowing that, it skews your judgment. i got to be honest. It makes you look in places that you don't really need to look. Because it comes back to what my college professors always said, keep it simple, sir. And, well, in my case, it was stupid, but I'm trying to be polite. So, you know, you, you can overthink the problem. And what it really came back to was, look, you've got an ABS system. You've got some sort of a wheel speed signal or sensor coming out of each corner. A wheel speed sensor is creating the signal. And what's missing? Now, Chrysler... And this is where I think Chrysler missed the point about keep it simple, stupid. Went to, it used to be that an ABS signal, in a lot of cases, I won't say all the time, it was a toothed ring. You ever look at the top of a castle, the fort, it's, it's, it's like notched, you know, it got a high and a low and a high and a low. It's a square top, right? Square wave top. That's what the scope pattern would look like if you ever wave out certain things, digital, digital signal on, digital signal off, that type of thing. And that toothed pattern would go up against an AC voltage generator, and it would generate an AC signal. It would be like a pickup coil inside a distributor back in the 70s and the 80s, GM, HEI, and Ford, and so forth come to mind. Chrysler said, no, you know, we've been doing it this way for so long, and we've got a better way to do it. We're going to put a magnet on the end of the axle. We're going to get away with the tooth ring, get away from the tooth ring. We're going to put a magnet there. And when the magnet passes over or under the sensor and the north-south end of the magnet pass and the polarity changes, we're going to induce a voltage, and that's how we're going to tell how fast the wheel's going. Yeah, because nothing will go wrong with that. I mean, what could go wrong with that? Um, let me tell you what went wrong with that. So the car sat for two years. Did I tell you it sat a long time? And that's what you'll see in the pictures if you get out to the Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. And I didn't see it the first time through. I actually didn't see it until I got the axle out of the car. I saw it on the scope, but I didn't know what I was looking at. And, and that's where I say sometimes knowing too much can, can distract you. I just knew it wasn't right, and I said the axle's got to come apart. The scope pattern was jumping. Had a nice voltage. It, 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 it put out specs sort of, not really. Uh, you know, it was a minimal voltage pattern. We want to see three, and this is what we're dealing with. We want to see three to eight-tenths of a volt, DC voltage. And we were seeing less than a three, eh, just maybe it hit the three tenths. It was just the minimum. It was just 
like enough, but not you're like, wow, is it, you know, could it be any lazier? Reminded me of a relative I used to know. And, but he's not here anymore. And I said, you know, there's just something here because I'm watching the signal go boop, boop, boop. Why is it bouncing like that? Got to pull the axle out. Well, to take the axle out of the rear corner of this 2005 Chrysler 300C, you know, they may have had a short of, of, of ABS sensors and tone rings back in 2005. They didn't have a shortage of nuts and bolts. All right? One, two, three, four, five. There were six nuts and bolts holding between the sway bar link, the lower ball joint, the upper cross member, the lower cross member. I mean, the guy was nut and bolt happy. He must have thought the wheel was going to fall off. I'm not really quite sure why he did it. But everything is rusty and gnarly and cobwebs and spiders. And it was like working on Eddie Munster's car. And you just sit there and you say, why? Why does it have to be so complicated? And you get the knuckle out or you get the, you get the knuckle off and the steel bolts go, that hold the brake caliper on going into the aluminum knuckle. You're trying to walk them out and not gall anything. And you're tearing the aluminum out of the knuckle. And you're like, okay, that's going to get a helicoil or a time cert going back in because you're creating work that's maybe that's what chrysler's idea was they wanted to you know they're they're just trying to create things for them to do so they can justify their existence you get the axle out of the car and you lay it on the ground and you look at it and you don't see it and it, it it's it's a, it's really rusty on the end but you know you're looking for something because you're a mechanic and you're you're trying to get into something simple you know it's got to be something staring me in the face and sure enough, you look at it, and the video I put up on Facebook, you'll see it pretty clear because I kind of cleared some of the rust away. But when I pulled it out, it was really masked over because you couldn't see it. The magnet had cracked. There was a crack clean through the magnet. What happened? Remember, remember seventh grade science class? What happens when you crack the magnet? You now created two magnets, right? It was You, you had two different poles and two different polarities. Everything changes, and that's why... That's why the scope pattern was so cockeyed, because I kept seeing I was seeing two triggers from two separate, and it was just it was just giving me a pattern that bounced all over creation. Put a new axle in the car, assembled it, got rid of the cobwebs, took the car around the block, and I'm happy to report that the car finally upshifted the transmission. Dogged me, off and on for the better part of three weeks. But I just kept saying, there's got to be something simple here. I'm missing something so obvious. What am I missing? And the point of the story becomes, you know, just don't overthink it. I, I, I was reminded of that once again this week. Never overthink the problem, but always look for something basic. And expect the unexpected. I don't think I've ever seen a, 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 well, I've never seen a magnet do that, but I don't think I've ever seen a car rust like that and still want to be driven, I guess is the point, because most people would scrap the car. There's a there's an emotional attachment to this vehicle, and I understand that. And I made a promise that I would get to the bottom of it, and I did. So, um, But anyway, that's the uh, that's the story. Get out to the Facebook page, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. You can look at the video. Um, it probably explains it maybe a little bit more than I did, a little simpler than I did. I wanted to try and get into a little bit of depth here. But, you know, it spurs another part of the conversation. And I'm going to pull over real quick in a minute. But it spurs another part of the conversation that here's technology, right? We were doing this with with an AC signal generator and a toothed ring to create signal, and it worked for years and years and years, and we went to a magnet because a magnet will never break. It broke. And my point is what we've got to realize that 
every time, every time they change something in a car and we go to it and say, oh, isn't this great? This is the next best thing. Remember these words. When's it going to break and who's going to fix it? And that's the key to understanding and having a relationship with your car because I don't care what it is. Sooner or later, it's going to come see me. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anany in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Cardoctorshow.com for more information and fun facts. Let's go over and talk to Bob Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Long-time listener, Mr. Schumacher. How the heck yes. are you? How are you, sir? Good, after, good afternoon, Ron. I'm finally glad to be able to talk to you. My uh, hearing kind of went uh, south, and I finally got hearing aids, and and the hearing aids uh, coupled through the iPhone, and I could hear you loud and clear. That's not that's not from that performance loud exhaust on that Volkswagen you used to drive, is it? Yeah, is maybe it, it is. is but, that what you it know, is? it's amazing, you know, when your hearing goes... And uh, you can't hear sounds. It's kind of difficult to troubleshoot. Oh yeah, well it's, you know, it's 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 handy though if you're married. Um, yeah, I don't want to point that out too loud. There's a lot of married, <laughs> a lot of wives in the audience. So shh, don't don't pretend I didn't say that. So anyway, how can I help? You oh, okay, how can I help you today? Yeah, sir? Uh, uh, what's the life cycle of strut, uh, shocks and uh, struts? Uh, I guess it depends on the roads and stuff, though. But yeah. I think it depends on the roads. I think it depends on the environment. I think it depends on what part of the country. I think it depends on what we're driving. I think it depends on your budget. Uh, you know, I think it. I think there's a lot of factors. You know, it, it's not clearly mileage dependent. My 2008 Chevy one-ton pickup truck, my plow truck's got 31,000 miles and change on it, and it's been through two sets of front shocks, and it's about to go through a, set, a third. So, you know, it's just, I mean, the plow goes up, the plow goes down. I hit every pothole that I try to avoid. You know, it happens. Um, uh, You know, what kind of car are we talking about here, Bob? Uh, It's just the uh, 2008 Audi A3. Oh, the Volkswagen grew up. Yeah, yeah. Now you've got a big one, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, how many miles were on it? 100,000. Okay. And, yeah. and and I know you and from talking to you over the years and all, and I know what you're looking for. And I've got to think that, you know, yeah, you're kind of looking for it to feel tight and how close back to the factory can you. And, you know, I think that if you wish to replace shocks and struts all the way around and maybe think about springs and, um, you know, because that to me is the missing piece. That's the piece of the puzzle everybody tends to, to, to either ignore or forget about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if the shocks have taken a beat, and so have the springs, and you know, I'm sure there's more than enough kits out there where manufacturers will sell shock and strut or shock strut spring assemblies together as a set, and you know, put a match set of suspension in the car and see what it does, and then you'll have some more fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thinking about uh, going back to OEM and get the stuff from Audi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm, that I, way I mean, at least puts the car back the way it was. No. Right. Well, either that or, and I mean, I'm sure there's there were Bilsteins in that new. Would be my guess, uh, Bil, yeah. Bilstein or Coney. I'm not sure if I'm dating myself. They're saying the Coney word, um, but I, I would also tell you to go and look. I mean, the suspension technology is scary. What's out there? It's just, it's just, it's crazy. I started looking at. I just purchased a '72 Monte Carlo this year, and I'm playing around reliving my college days and. 
Wow. Uh, you know, and and I started That's looking. At, yeah, let's do some suspension to that. You know, and you started yeah. adding it up. And, you know, $6,000 later, I can make a 72 Monte Carlo go around a corner at 90 like it's riding on rails. Uh, you know, I don't know how my kidneys are going to feel about that. And, right. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, never mind the checkbook. Um, you know, and to that point, what I decided was I'm going to go and I'm going to put the car together the way I did when I was a college kid on a budget. Heavier springs mm-hmm. front and back, right from move. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the strongest set of what I'll call factory gas shocks I can find. Um, I'm actually going to put a set of Monroes in it or the equivalent because they don't make Monroe gas Maddox or radio Maddox anymore. I'm going to put the equivalent of that. And yeah. I'm just going to drive it. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I put a bigger, I put a factory sway bar in the front, an inch and a quarter bar in the front, an inch bar in the rear, and we'll see how it handles. I mean, listen, it, it, it used to scare me when I was 19. I figured it's got to do a whole lot more now at this age. Uh, and you were doing this with bias fly tires, too. Well, no, actually, I, that was right around the time. I'm not that old, Bob. It was right around the time when BF Goodrich Radial TAs had come to market. Yeah. And, and you know, I was hanging those on it. I will tell you this, though. I used to be able to go into the corner so hard, I would actually break the spot weld on the bottom of the shock, the front. Wow. And I would unwind the steel clamp that went around the bushing. I kept returning him to the Monroe guy. If he's listening to this show today, I'm sorry. But, uh-huh. um, you know, I would actually, every six to eight months, I would return the front shocks. I would break the strap. He goes, how do you keep breaking the weld? I don't know. I guess they're defective. Um, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> And what can I yeah. tell you? I was like, you know what, young and dumb, you do those things. But my point, my point is, before you just consign yourself all by factory stuff, take a look at some of the aftermarket stuff. There's a lot of uh-huh. performance suspension out there. There's a lot of engineering and research that's gone into this. And, uh, you know, it's not that it won't be fun to drive in stock trim, but it, right. might, it might be even more fun. Um, might be even more fun to drive, you know, yeah. with a little bit of juice in it. So. Yeah, well, that's DSC transmission. You can launch the tires real easy. Yeah, and, you know, have some fun in the meantime. Bob, it was great to catch up. Uh, you know, by all means, keep us in the keep us in the loop and let us know what you decide. And um, we're talking about going to Labor Day, you know, the uh, event up there in Mawa on Labor Day. We're talking about that. So maybe we'll see you up there if we end up going. I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. We will be back right after this. The car doctor, 855-560-9900. And let me point out, if you've got a car problem, you've got a question, you've got something that's kind of on your mind, automotive-related, you want to talk about it, you give me a call. Leave a message if the show's not on the air. And 855-560-9900 during off-show hours leads right to my executive, private, locked-up, super-secure mailbox. And it gets answered by none other, by the next up-and-coming executive producer to the world of radio, by Motorhead Matt who will astound you with his lack of knowledge about automobiles and just what exactly he knows. Now, you give that him a call and you uh, you try that out and say, yes, Tony, you have a comment? I, I don't hear you, Tony. Push the on button. You are talking about matchbox cars, right? Not yeah, regular matchbox cars? cars. Well, I didn't say what kind of cars he knows about, but he, you know, Motorhead Matt knows about okay. some kind of cars. No, the last producer knew about matchbox cars, didn't he? Um, but it depends if he found them in a garage sale or not. So, and that was the key. So, <clears throat> to be renamed nameless. Let's go over and talk to Jason, Colorado. Jason, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? What's going on? Hi. Um, 
I've got a 2006 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo that has a intermittent no start. Okay. And um, it's crazy. Like, it almost seems temperature-related, which is so weird. Um, during the winter, um, you know, and it gets pretty cold here consistently, it doesn't really do it. And then when we came into the warmer temperatures, I'll go to start it, and it just kind of clicks, like the solenoid's clicking. Which which which, the, which engine is this, Jason? The V6 or the V8? It's the V8. It's the 4.7. Okay. And when you say it doesn't start, is it a... Is it just clearly a click, or does it, is it, you know, what does it exactly do? It just clicks. Like, it'll just click kind of like, you know, like the old 1980s era kind of solenoid failure on a uh, starter. Okay. And, you, you know, you would go to turn the key, and you just kind of hear that clicking noise, and then you knew your solenoid was bad. Um, it, it does the exact same thing. It just kind of makes a clicking noise. And then on the uh, digital display where you have uh, parked, neutral, um, reverse drive, um, before it starts clicking, you know, it'll just have the park indicator highlighted. And then when it starts clicking, all those indicators light up. So it's kind of like highlighting all the indicators. So it's going into a reset. Then, it's Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it kind of goes into, like, lockup. And right. when it locks up, I can't get the starter to engage. Um, I don't get fuel, and I don't get spark. Okay. Um, do you have any kind of a scan tool? Yeah, I ran codes, and I got a P0706, I believe. Range switch performance issue, Yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, when you looked at codes now, did you just pull generic OBD2, or did you go into your make model for vehicle? Um, it's, uh, it's a generic OBD2. I think it's a Bluetooth I got from Amazon. Okay. So I think it just does generic OBD2 stuff. All right. So, you know, the, the and it probably does. And OBD2 is a good place to start. We always we always start there in the shop. It's 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 the place to start. But here's a case where I'd like to see when the condition exists. Maybe we've got a module dropping out. Maybe we can't talk to the instrument cluster. Maybe we can't talk to the trans module, the TCM. Maybe we can't talk to, you know, who's not on the bus anymore. Who's not communicating? Now the starter for that's down on the right side. If memory serves me correct. And it's got the most god-awful solenoid connector with a safety on it that you ever saw. So getting it undone is a big pain in the butt. Um, normally, I would normally I would sit there and I would tell you to go down. If not, I'm not mistaken. I think it's a brown or a tan wire with a trace on it, just to see do we have signal. You know, and, and okay. you know, just so maybe we've got to go look at a wiring diagram. <coughs> Excuse me. Go look at a wiring diagram, and you know. Just check, do we have power there? Even though I I understand what's going on with the dashboard, but you know maybe we want to treat this as a 68 Chevy, no start, bad starter solenoid. Just test for power at the starter. Do we have signal okay. going to the solenoid? Do we, If we voltage drop the, the battery cable, both the positive and the negative cable, do we have correct voltage drop? Do we have under three-tenths of a volt across... Uh, you know the cable, so that we know we've got good con good continuity. And then, you know, how's the ground at the block? How's the ground? Uh, how's the ground connection at the battery itself? Because you live in Colorado, if the vehicle's been there any length of time, um, you know, it, it's out in the weather and the elements, and and what sort of corrosive, you know, issues might we have? Let's just eliminate. Yeah, there's a lot of mag chloride and stuff like that. Right. So let's let's eliminate simple first. Okay. Okay. You know, even to the point that maybe what you could do is if you can get a wiring diagram, figure out where that solenoid wire comes from, 
and maybe we can you know get to it easier up higher in the fender well so to speak and wire in a 194 side marker bulb socket you know go down go down to your local o'reilly auto parts you got an o'reilly auto parts around you yeah okay and just go down and you know you know what you know what a 194 side marker bulb is like you would use in in a directional or a parking lamp well, they make. Yeah, yeah, they, definitely. They'll sell sockets, you know, this just like universal sockets that'll hold those bolts for trailers and things. So go down and buy a couple of those. Look at the wiring diagram and say, let's say, I want to see what the voltage is here, and maybe I want to see what the voltage is there. Wire in the side markers. Wire in the bulbs. All right. We do okay. this. We do this with customers. We've done this where we put the bulbs in the glove compartment or under the dash, and we'll put different colored bulbs into each socket. You know, we'll put a clear, we'll put a frosted, we'll we'll put a two-on-one, we'll put a yellow one in there, and then they'll tell us which one lit up, the yellow one. Okay, that tells us where we got to go. You know, if, okay. if, if you go to start this and all you get is click, but that bulb is lit and you voltage dropped the system, you know that at least you've got to have a bad starter. I mean, there's there's just nothing else it can be. Oh, and point. I did have that checked. I took it to a mechanic, and that's what they thought it was. They thought it was either the battery or the starter. Right. And I did just have the battery replaced. So they replaced the starter, and they called me, and they're like, you know, it's get done. Come pick it up. And when I was on my way there to pick it up, they called me back, and they're like, nope, it's not the starter. Okay. You know, just give right. us another hour. And they actually they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. They didn't charge me anything kind of just told me sorry they were like we don't know what's wrong with it we think it's a module in the dash but we're not sure right and that's and, and I'm kind of inclined to agree with them I just if it's easy enough to get to the solenoid feed I just like to see you do it just because we don't diagnose by replacement because then I can make yeah. the argument and we could have a 2 hour conversation about how you know just because they put a new part in it doesn't mean the new part was any good new means never ever worked um, exactly you know so just it, it it's you know, the art of the diagnosis is it eliminates known good, and at least we can get out of that. Then I'm going to tell yeah. you. That, then I'm going to tell you that I want to go and look at you know, manufacturer specific with a with a scan tool, and see if uh, you know what module is not communicating. And you know, the last thought I've got is when the problem happens, you're in park, correct? Yeah, and um, I've tried moving it from park to neutral, and no change. And- yeah, no change. It still won't start, and it shows the the digital indicator will show that I'm moving it from park to neutral. Okay. So it's acknowledging that, but it still won't start. Though. I, I'd love to see what a scan tool would report. Those vehicles did have more than their fair share of shifter range problem issues, and it was it was the module or the switch itself, um, which is incorporated into it, depending upon your make and model. So I, I think you're going to find looking at it on a scan tool, that when this problem happens, that the trans controller, the shifter module, the SRM, ESM, electronic shift module, um, doesn't communicate. It's it's just not going to be there. It's going to be off the bus. And that's going to tell you that that's a problem unto itself, too. Yeah, and then the whole system just goes into lockup and right. it doesn't start. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, All right, so get a look at that. You know, Maybe you can get your hands on a scan tool or take it back to that shop. It seems like they want to work with you. Explain to them our conversation, or if you if they want to hear this conversation, all they've got to do is go to cardoctorshow.com. This would be hour one on, uh, what is today, August the 12th? August the 12th yeah. would be hour one. August the 12th, you're about three-quarters of the way through. We started at the bottom of the hour. If they go to the middle of the podcast, they can hear the conversation, and maybe it'll give them some ideas. Um, not saying I got all the answers, but uh, I think it's a pretty good way to attack this particular problem. 
All right, kiddo. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely. Thank you. It's it's very frustrating because it's like nothing wrong. You know, there's never been anything wrong with the truck, and then all of a sudden, it's just like no start, and it doesn't seem to be any reason why right. it won't start. Right, <laughs> right. And like I said, don't forget the voltage drop. You know, I, I everybody always thinks about the positive side of a circuit. Don't forget the voltage drop, the ground. Make sure the connection at the block is good. You know, all those things come into play, and then we'll start to talk about the more complicated. I read a post somewhere, and then I got to go. I read a post somewhere uh, in the last two weeks in a mechanics forum I belong to where they were going through all this diagnosis for an intermittent slow-cranking Chevy Silverado. They went through every controller on the car, every module. They looked at it. I mean, they had four days in this car, and the one test they missed was they never put a, 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 a voltmeter or a bulb or an indicator on the solenoid feed wire going to the starter. It turns out when the problem happened, the solenoid had power, the starter was being energized, the starter made no sound, it was a bad starter all along. They changed everything else around it. So you got to look at everything. I know it's hard, but you have to. So anyway, good luck to you, Jason. Keep me in the loop, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to your return call, 855-560-9900. Running late, got to go. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor, back right after this. the car doctor tony did you put that bumper in is that just that just kind of got logged in is that because we were just, just talking happened. about deja vu oh, deja vu so i guess i guess i got to tell them yes we're going to go to the dead man's yes, thing up in mawa and okay. uh, you know we'll do that let me i'll text them right after the show so it's not affirmative until they say yes back because maybe they get a good look at us and decide no they don't want these ugly guys showing up but you never know. Maybe we'll be there. So chances are September the 2nd, we'll be up in Mawa at the uh, Dead Man's Curve event up at the Meadowlands, up at the uh, Sheridan up there in uh, Mawa. So um, we'll get it right. Let's go and talk to David in Iowa, um, which which brings me to another subject. Hey, David. Hey, I know you got a good memory, Ron. You remember that uh, Monte Carlo I was telling you about? Yeah, the Monte Carlo and, um, yeah, the one that you we were trying to get running in the back of the gas station, right? Yeah, well, this was, <laughs> well, this was the one that had that... Uh, Oh, uh, we couldn't figure it out on the uh, distributor or whatever that was. It was, uh, it was a wife's car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so now what's this car today? This is the Pontiac. Well, no, well, I've got a Pontiac, but I want to, I want to, I want to give you a quick message on that Monte Carlo first. Go ahead. I got it. I got it fixed. I, I fixed it permanently. Okay, I opened the hood and threw some dynamite in there, and I ran like hell, and. uh but it cost me more to pick up the pieces than it did to fix it. Well, I bet it would. You know, that, um, did you really do that, David? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was your, just wondering. That's your, that's your happy birthday gift. Well, thank you. That's a heck of a, that's a heck of a candle, brother. So, okay. um, how can anyway, I, how can I help you with the Pontiac? What's going on there? Oh, okay. I've got a carburetor. Uh, it's a standard old car, uh, carter. Right. And, and, uh, It'll uh, the car will run and drive for probably I don't know maybe uh, uh, around the block twice and then it stops okay All right. and then uh, we do it again let it sit for a little while and uh, it starts back up and uh, it ran a little bit more and this time it just quit so. I suppose I hate to get under that thing and try to take out the gas tank and all that stuff and clean the lines out, but it probably might be a smart idea, don't you think? Because, well, uh, yeah. So what? This car's been sitting a long time. Oh, probably for about twenty years or thirty years. Yeah, like that. dude, it's it's going to be all loaded with the, the the fuel is probably turned to varnish and you know the fuel pump has probably been destroyed. The rubber has just been attacked and. 
Uh, you yeah. know, there's there's a hundred things to do here. What kind of Pontiac is this? It's a Bonneville two door hardtop. Oh yeah, that car's worth saving. What motors in that? Would that have been a three eighty nine? Yeah, yeah. Three eighty nine four barrel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty neat car, David. It's probably worth a few oh, bucks if you take I, care I of know. it. I know, and there's not a there's not a dent in it anywhere. I mean, it's all together. And the, the guy I bought it from it was original. They said they were they were having trouble with it, and uh, he wanted to get rid of it. And I bought it uh, really super reasonable. Like yeah, that. I think. I mean, I less than a thousand dollars for it. That's that. That's a no-brainer, brother. Pull the gas tank, send the tank out, get it flushed. The fuel that's in there probably turned to varnish. Keep in mind that if they tell you the tank is, you know, etched or stained or something, there are kits out yeah. there from various companies that you yeah. can you can line the inside of the tank with. And I would tell you to do that before, you know, depending on how rusty or ugly it is. But um, I would tell you to do that before you just replace the tank. Yeah, and then yeah, right. go through, blow the lines. What's it going to take? Blow the lines, put a fuel pump on it, and rebuild the carburetor. Oh, yeah. You know, no, I'm not that tight. I don't think I'll have more than probably, I would be willing to put 15 into it just to get it to a, you know completely back to original. It's uh, it's really a nice. Yeah, it sounds like it. Listen, um, I don't know if you can, but uh, see if you can go out to the Car Doctor Facebook page and post a picture of it. Either that, or okay. you can you can probably put a picture of it in the messaging section. I'm thinking, um, okay. one one way or the other. But I'd love to see a picture of it. I'm sure the, I'm sure the other listeners would too. And. Uh, you never know when you need parts for it. Maybe somebody out there's got something that's lying around. Oh, right, that, uh, right, right. You know, you never know. Appreciate Don, and happy birthday to you. Thank you, brother. Don. Thank you. You take good care, and um, always good to hear from David in Iowa. By the way, before I forget, whatever happened to the guy in Iowa with the ice cream? Remember him from what was that like two years ago that made the ice cream for us? I can't think of his name. I got to look that up. Um, but that was really good ice cream. I wonder if he's still doing it. So um, if he's out there. Um, strawberry. All right. Hey, Ron and Annie on Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We are going to cruise back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here. Um, let's finish up. You know, it was we were off last week and uh, playing hooky, and a week before we read Steve Rosenthal from Virginia's letter. I mean, it, I, I marked where I left off some of the comments uh, that, that Steve makes. And I love Steve. He's a great guy. But some of his comments are hysterical. We were talking about different things. Steve says, hey, Michelin tires. I bought a set at Sam's Club 15 years ago for the 99 green a Honda Civic. Four years later, the right front developed a bulge around 70,000 miles. Went to the local Firestone. I've used Firestone Bridgestone since. You see, that just proves that, you know, you're creatures of habit. What you tend to buy the first time, you, you'll stick with when you have a good experience. I guess that's true as far as advertising. Last spring, a wheel in the 2013 blue Honda through a weight causing a vibration from 65 to 70, problem resolved when the weight was replaced. Driverless cars. I like Steve's perspective on this. Ron, who's going to work on them? You will be ready if you choose to, but what about the guys who just throw parts at cars? Paying unemployment for those displaced by driverless cars? You know, you, you got to think about that, right? All the mechanics that say, hey, I'm not going to work on a driverless car. I'm just going to go on unemployment. I'm just going to retire. And he says, what's the government going to do? No sweat. They'll just print more money. Count on it. We're only $20 trillion in debt, so what's the real problem? You, you know, Steve, he just, he just, he rambles, but he rambles in the right direction. He's got good marks. He needs a radio show of his own. And I don't know. I'd, uh, I'd love to see that. Steve Rosenthal, Virginia, thanks for the comments and thoughts. I'm Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.